CLNS Media, powered by BetOnline.ag. Go to CLNSmedia.com slash roll. Use our promo code CLNS50 for 50% off your first deposit. of the CLNS Media Boston Celtics post-game show. I am your host, New Bedford Nick Sacento, filling in for Bobby Manning. I believe he may be at the stadium right now celebrating with your fellow Celtics fans as the Boston Celtics smash, smash the rival hated L.A. Lakers 139-107 to at TD Garden, coming off a three-game losing streak. The Boston Celtics basically facing their worst stretch of the season, coming out with a completely unexpected, totally surprising, but yet so gratifying 139-107 win over the Los Angeles Lakers. Uh, Even scoring from the Boston Celtics, led by Jason Tatum, 27 points, 5 rebounds, 3 assists. Uh, Jalen Brown and Kemba Walker both contributed 20 points for the Celtics, including an incredible, oh my goodness, this is going to be debated for the longest time until the next Boston Celtic drops the hammer on LeBron James as to which one of the reigning Jays, fire and ice, had the better dunk on LeBron James. Jason Tatum in the 2018, uh, that must be my man Bobby Manning. I saw that there was about 10 minutes off the clock. I was like, let me see. Bobby's probably at the stadium. He's probably celebrating with the other Celtics fans at TD Garden after this huge win. Punctuated. I think that was the end of the game, Bobby. You tell me. When Jalen Brown went up two-handed and yammied all over Queen James. Just incredible. Incredible game all over, all around. I couldn't believe that dunk. I thought we saw the best dunk ever on LeBron James when Tatum did it in the playoffs a couple of years ago. <laughs> this was body to body, straight up, two hand slam, all elevation. There wasn't a whole lot of driving going on here. They caught James in the defense sleeping underneath, got it right in on an inbound, and he just threw it down. We're going to see that a lot this year. Dunk of the year, at least for 2020. There's no doubt about that. Dunk of the decade so far. <laughs> I'd have to say, <laughs> we are in a new decade, and that was, I mean, who else can do it when you dunk on, I mean, as much as we dislike LeBron James, I've never been a fan of LeBron James, but as much as we may, as Celtics fans, you know, talk bad about LeBron James, the man is a legend, and he's probably one of the top, you know, three, five, whatever, I don't put him top one or top two, but he's probably the top three or five players of all time in the NBA, and Jalen Brown <laughs> just... 
that was the end of the game. If you remember, I don't know, Bobby, if you remember those old and one tapes when, you know, if you got crossed or if you got, you know, dunked on or if you got humiliated on the play, the the one guy, I forgot what the host's name was, the guy that would be, you know, on the mic during the entire game would start yelling and you literally had to get off the court, whether it was at the Rucker or wherever, you know, uh, Drew League yeah. out there in L.A., you had to get off the court if something like that happened to you. And if this was one of those videos, Jalen Brown just sent LeBron James packing and I think that took – Celtics were already ahead by quite a bit at that point, but I think that just took all the, the wind out of the sails of the Los Angeles Lakers. That you know, when the head of the snake basically no, it really did. Off like that. Yeah, it yep. was it was uh, eighty. No, it was seventy nine to sixty three at that point. It's eight twenty nine left in the third quarter. So you figure that the Lakers could have had a run in them, especially with James and Davis playing tonight, which is what has to make people feel best about this from a Celtics perspective if only James played I know they've had role players playing good there all year in LA but they don't have a great cast of supporters from a talent standpoint you know James always raises the level of his teammates to some degree and he's definitely doing that this year they're getting a lot out of Dwight Howard which is stunning but Anthony Davis is a guy as good, if not better at this point, than LeBron. They get him back out there, and the Celtics contained him extremely well in this one. Nine points on three of seven. I know he was on a minutes restriction, but when you get blown out by 20 by the end of the third quarter and then it gets to 30, you know, that's going to do the minute restriction itself. Absolutely. And uh, I, I know, Bobby, that I wasn't scheduled to do this. I hope you don't mind. I just saw a couple of minutes off. But we'd like to remind everybody, and I see the switchboards are lighting up, that if you would like to join the conversation on the CLNS Media Boston of this post-game airwaves, please dial the HelloFresh toll-free call lines 347-215-7771 and before Bobby goes into an even deeper dive into this incredible win by the Boston Celtics over the Los Angeles Lakers, we'd just like to remind all of our fans out there uh, that this episode, like all episodes of the Salinas Media Boston Celtics postgame show, is brought to you by HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit. Get easy seasonal recipes and pre-measured ingredients delivered right to your door. All you have to do is cook and enjoy for $80 off your first month of HelloFresh. Go to HelloFresh.com forward slash CLNS80. That's CLNS80. And enter CLNS80 at checkout. Bobby, if you're like me, uh, sometimes I forget to eat. And when I do remember, sometimes I just run out and I grab something, you know, that's not all that great. Maybe it's Mickey D's. Uh, maybe it's, you know, uh, if it's for you guys up there, Papa Gino's. Something that's not all that healthy. You don't have to do that. If you subscribe to HelloFresh, you get a great discount from CLNS, $80 off your first month. Just go to HelloFresh.com forward slash CLNS80 and get America's number one meal kit with easy seasonal recipes, pre-measured ingredients delivered right to your door. And with that, I see all the car lines lit up. Bobby, I'm going to throw it back to you and do some screening for you like I used to do back in the day. How about that? Yeah, Nick, stick with me here. You're my co-host tonight. We're rolling with this together. But I do want to emphasize those first few minutes of the game. Forget first few minutes. It was the first minute of the game that the Lakers went up 8 nothing. And honestly, that's a negative takeaway amongst a million positives from this one, is that the Celtics still don't have those starts to the games right. I don't know if it's the way these guys enter the stadium or the pace that they're playing with to start the games, or maybe their warm-up routines aren't right. Maybe it's the wrong starting combination. I don't know. But 
a game after game after game, they're going down by double digits and setting the hole for themselves. They're very fortunate that the offense was rolling the way it was from the wings tonight because they were able to strike right back. Gordon Hayward, who's caught a lot of crap on this show, scored five points in the first three minutes. He had an outstanding night, I thought, attacking, getting to the rim, drawing free throws, and he set a tone for everybody on the team in this one. Tatum with three free throws, Hayward with three himself, nine from Jalen Brown. They needed him back in the lineup to get those drives to the rim going, and Kemba Walker had quite a bit of downhill action too. So my big takeaway from this one, I have quite a few, is that when this team's fully healthy, when they're able to cut it down to, I'd say, eight rotation guys, that's probably fair from this one, eight when you count Cantor, Smart, and surprisingly, semi off the bench in this one. So you might even say seven come playoff time is what the Celtics team is going to roll with. And I do appreciate the efforts of semi off the bench in this one. Another big body on LeBron who finished this one with 13 assists, fairly impressive number, but 15 points on 5 of 12 shooting, jacked a couple three-pointers. You know, Nick, here's the frustrating part about this one. You beat the Lakers 139-107. One of the biggest wins of the decade, as we said in the opener. And frankly, one of the best teams in the NBA. I think they've been the best team in the NBA so far when you consider that they're playing the West every day. I know the Bucks have had the biggest point differential in the league and everything like that, but you, when you're playing the Knicks and the Magic and the Nets, who have been so poor of late, and the 76ers, who were 8-14 and 14 on the road, I think they moved to 9-14 and 14 today. You have a much easier time rolling through the East every night than when you're playing Denver, when you're playing Phoenix, who obviously can play, as we saw the other night. Uh, Who else is out there? The Clippers bring some monstrous opposition to them. In fact, they're 0-2 against the Clippers, despite their uh, 34-9 record. So I think this has been the best team in the NBA so far, and you score a win that big over them, it's outstanding. It breaks up the monotony that they've gone through lately, 2-4 and through this recent But here's the thing. Did you feel like LeBron was going full speed, especially after that dunk when there was 20 minutes left in the game? I think right when that happened, the switch went off. This was about to be a rest night for this team. Out on the East Coast, they went from Houston to Boston through this last three-day stretch for them. I think LeBron Davis, who probably just decided that he was going to play this game because of the fact that the Lakers... And Celtics is the marquee matchup on Martin Luther King Day. This is a big-time day for the NBA. I think they all decide they have to suit up, get through the injuries, and play this one. When that dunk happened with 8.39 left, timeout Lakers, I think LeBron just shut it down, and that was it for tonight. Celtics went up 22. They go ahead by 30, and that's the game. It's a different LeBron come playoff time, Nick. And obviously, we don't have to deal with that anymore. He's in the Western Conference. We'll only see him if these teams in the NBA Finals, and I don't think anybody will complain about that. But, you know what, Nick? I'm waiting for Wednesday. Because guess what? No national TV, no Lakers on the other side, no LeBron. You're playing the Memphis Grizzlies, who have won 7-8. So maybe they'll, maybe they'll catch this team a little more awake than we think. But, again, we're still in a 2-6 and six stretch for the Celtics. We're playing no defense whatsoever. Getting pummeled on that end of the floor, and 
honestly lackadaisical and attacking on the offensive end. So do they get up on Wednesday for Memphis? I, that's what I need to see. I'm very excited about what they did in this one, but I'm holding out for Wednesday, which is really going to tell the tale of whether this team turned it around or not. Yeah, and you have a good uh, team in Memphis, a surprising team, although I don't know how surprised. You know, experts would be John Morant is a fantastic player. I think he's one of he's the most rookie exciting. Of the year. Uh, yeah, rookie of the year. The, the, I was going to say one of the most, probably the most exciting, other than Taco Fall, uh, rookies in the <laughs> NBA right now, and exciting for different reasons. But John Morant, obviously, you know, the leader of that team, you know, taking that team to, uh, uh, you know, unexpected, I would say. I think for casual fans or for people, I don't, I don't know if. if if every NBA fan out there, even ones that watch the NBA regularly, would have expected the Grizzlies to be doing this well, um, it's, you know it's just saying? one of those situations. Yeah, I was just about to put that in there. There's there's an extra um, layer to this, and I don't. I think what is it? A top six protected pick. Uh, did the, did the yeah, Grizzlies have did yeah. the Celtics have from the Grizzlies? So that means that if it's uh, in the top six, but the Grizzlies get to keep it, we get it. If it's not, or the Celtics get it, if it's not in the top six, if it's yeah, not, there's yeah, an extra and layer. And if they get it, we get it unprotected next year. So that's obviously what everybody's rooting for. Right. Um, so obviously, there's like a, there's an extra layer of you know of storyline here. Um, there's also the, the as you just mentioned the the kind of the the trend that the Boston Celtics have of you know this is the same old. I don't know. Maybe it's I I don't know what it is. I think you know the the one consistent the one consistent fact that we've had as that the Celtics have had throughout these years um, is the coach. But I'm not one of those people who likes to get down on Brad Stevens. But it just seems like there's a you know a, a habit of of either playing up as Tonight, you know, playing up to what is probably one of the best teams, if not the best team in the league, not probably one of, but, you know, probably the best team in the league, or playing down the competition. There are trap games. There are, you know, let down games. All of those, the Celtics are prone to all of those things. But I think the main thing you can take from this game is that when you have all of the key players on the floor at one time, when you have Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Kemba Walker, uh, Marcus Smart, Gordon Hayward, and you have all of them on the floor, and then you have Ennis Cantor playing like he does tonight. He does oh, not man, get enough credit. Oh, man, we're going to talk about him. I know you. I know you love Ennis Cantor, but when you have all of them on the court and they're and they're clicking and they're and they're playing playing well, they're they're balling. They they can compete with anybody, and they proved it tonight. But they can also drop some. Big fat turds on you when you least expect it, and, uh, and yeah, that Memphis game is I absolutely that they feel like they can come back and make it up at the end of these. Yeah, I I think that they you know I've said that on the air. I think you've said it on the air before. They you know they they get out slow. I think that's something that every Celtics fan and even Brad Stevens has mentioned that the Boston Celtics need to get out to better starts in these games. And they almost fell to that same uh, syndrome tonight. You know, falling down eight zero early in this game. But they feel like they can you know go down. You know, maybe go into halftime by you know down by ten points. Uh, you know, going through the third quarter, you know, trailing a little bit and feel like because they have, you know, so much talent and they've had throughout this season up until recently so much chemistry that they, you know, can just come back from those type of, uh, you know, um, 
the deficits, and it doesn't always happen. Uh, we saw that the other night. The Boston Celtics just couldn't come back from a deficit against the Phoenix Suns as hard as they tried, and this was the Phoenix Suns. I know they're better than they have been in the past. I know Aaron Baines has elevated his game, but, I mean, you can't do that. The Boston Celtics have to play from tip-off to final buzzer, and if they don't do that against the Memphis Grizzlies, this is another perfect example of a game the Boston Celtics can jump into and you know, theoretically, if they come out flat, they might not be able to come back from a you know significant deficit. But we'll get more into that. Uh, Bobby has dropped briefly. I'm sure he'll be back uh, soon. I'm going to go straight to the uh, HelloFresh toll-free call lines, 347-215-7771, taking these calls in the order that I received them. Uh, 781, I believe this is Chris in Boston. Chris. Yeah, Nick. How you feel about tonight's uh, 139 to 107 win over the Lakers? Yeah, man. So I just had a couple quick hits for you. A few things off the top of my head. I thought it was, um, I like that Brad, you know, basically had a seven-man rotation tonight minus, you know, a little bit of Ojale, But really it was a seven-man rotation. I think that's what we'll see, you know, coming down the stretch with this team. A couple other things. I, I thought that Gordon Hayward, um, you know those five points to start off the game when we were down eight nothing w- w- was was big, especially after the way he ended the previous game. I want to give credit to Smart. I know Nick, your uh, you know your uh, nemesis or whatever your 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 relationship is with Smart, but I thought what I really liked about Smart in this <laughs> game was after he hit eleven threes, I saw some some something on Twitter that was like, oh, Smart's gonna want to take the tip tonight. I think it was Bertadoni who said it. He was like, "Oh, Smart's going to want to take the, the tip tonight and do a heat check right after you know the, the jump <laughs> jump ball." <laughs> and right. you know that is kind of smart, like. So I was a little worried that he'd start jacking them tonight. But you know, really, what we need from Smart is to be a low volume shooter, you know, a facilitator, a defensive guy. And I thought he did that great tonight. You know, he took good shots. He. Um, I think he only took a couple threes, which was really nice. I yeah, he, he goes two for three inside the arc, too, you know, shooting those little knife runners in the lane. Yeah, I, I'm exactly. with you there. Yeah, keep it low volume in these uh, bigger games. If you're playing the Suns and you're down big, he can put up 21 threes. But you, you want to be somewhere <laughs> in between those two numbers, probably. Right. Uh, five right. threes tonight, 21 against Phoenix. Exactly. I mean, the Phoenix game, they didn't have Kemba or Jalen Brown, and, and they, they, they needed that. But, you know, when they're fully healthy, they're best when Smart is a low-volume shooter because cause he's one of the better passers on the team. This is like yeah. kind of like an economics theory here where when he's doing anything but passing, because other players on the team are better shooters than him, if he's shooting and not passing, the other players aren't better passers than him. So, like, you're not optimizing the skills of the team. Um, Frankly, I'm just I'm – just awestruck at how good of an offensive player he is. And that's just not shooting. That's not the improvement that he's made from three. The behind-the-back pass to Cantor tonight, oh my God, low, that low passes that he gets off in the pick-and-roll, I think he's the best passer on the team. Yeah, I think he is too. And that, that's kind of what my, my, my point is that he, he that, that skill, that, you know, that's a unique skill that he brings to the team. Him and Hayward and really him and Hayward are kind of the two best passers on the team, I feel like. And so... When he's when he has that mindset, I just think the Celtics are so much better. And the other thing about tonight was I felt like nobody was forcing it. 
Um, and that that was a good, you know, that, that felt good. Nobody was, everyone was just trying to like make the next right play, as Brad always says. And um, and I thought, you know, like you said, LeBron maybe was a checked out after they, you know, got up to twenty thirty point lead. But um, I know I thought they did a really good job of pretty much like shut, trying to shut down Braun and, and AD and let the rest of the Lakers beat them you know, and try to uh, close out on their threes and whatnot. But, you know, they did a good job of kind of having they – would, they wouldn't double-team LeBron outright, but they'd have that guy playing, like, strong side help, you know, kind of like almost uh, almost zoning up on the help side there. And um, I thought that was really effective and, you know, just really happy about the victory tonight. Just wanted to check in, guys. Thanks so much. Appreciate it. What's your name, man? Chris from Boston. Chris from Boston. Chris from yeah, Boston. we'll definitely hope to hear more from you here, and I appreciate the call tonight. Absolutely, guys. All right, Chris. That's a good call, Nick. Very quality call. Yeah, yep, so, he has some good points. I, I know. So, I know people. I, I'm, I'm going to never hear the end of it about my uh, my early uh, skepticism about Marcus Smart. But I think I've said multiple times, and this is you know no disrespect to uh, Chris in Boston's point because he is absolutely right. You can call me on it every single time you want to call on the show. That I was a skeptic of Marcus Smart, but and yes, he does still make the the heat like like Chris mentioned. You know, he still does those heat checks. He still chucks a little bit, but. I think Marcus Smart has improved dramatically over those first, uh, let's say, three seasons he was in the league uh, compared to last season and this season now on his new contract. Marcus Smart is absolutely a critical component to this team. And everything Chris said, I agree with. You you, you need him, even though he was one from five from three after setting the record uh, two nights ago uh, with Boston Celtics franchise record with 11 threes a couple nights ago against the Phoenix Suns. Um, You're still not mad at him because, like you mentioned, Bobby, he was effective in the paint. And there was a couple of shots that, you know, I remember his first, you know, few seasons, maybe his second season, his third season, where I'd ask people, you know, what is Marcus Smart's go-to move? And I complained that Marcus Smart would drive the paint and immediately, you know, get into the paint and immediately, you know, turn his head and his body and look to pass and not even bother to look for a shot. And now I'm seeing a Marcus Smart, and we all know that he likes to look for a shot behind the three-point arc. That's, I mean, that's, that's a given. But now we've seen the past couple of seasons of Marcus Smart that actually has, other than uh, a decent post-up game that he's always had he's actually looking for shots and he actually has shots and has moves there you know inside you know a mid-range game when he gets to the basket you know he has some layups he can finish at the hoop and he's improved on that dramatically as well as uh his three-point shooting in recent years so i have no complaints and even when he goes one for five from three in a game like tonight the boston celtics won anyway and he did his job and that's all you can expect when marcus smart does his job the Boston, the Boston Celtics have a, a significant chance of winning. He's crucial to the Boston Celtics winning games, and I agree as well. Excellent passer, and that's why he gets so much court time. Brad Stevens loves to have – if Brad Stevens could have his way, every single player on the, in, in the lineup would be able to drop dimes and throw, in, 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 and throw a good pass. And I think that you saw that tonight, that pretty much almost every single player in the, uh, in the starting lineup minus Tice. I don't have my box score open anymore. But if you look at uh, the Boston Celtics – most of them had, you know, multiple assists. Yeah, I mean, the, the starting lineup, uh, Kimber Walker, seven assists, Jalen Brown, six assists. That's surprising. Jalen Brown, the first few years of his career, couldn't throw a pass to save his life and wouldn't, have, you know, go go one or one or two assists a game You see the difference when he's out there, for sure. 
Yes, Jalen Brown, I think, has has made such a jump. Uh, and then uh, Gordon Hayward, I agree, fantastic passer. And I think that's what you need from Gordon Hayward tonight. You need a game like Gordon Hayward, six for twelve from uh, the field, two for three from three. He wasn't, he didn't t- bur- uh, shoulder too much of that burden. Uh, Sixteen points. He was the fourth leading scorer. Imagine that, Gordon Hayward, the fourth leading scorer on this team, and they and they blew the Lakers away. I think. Yeah, conventional he had a bounce back night, didn't he, Nick? Everyone was ready to ship him out of town the other day, and now I thought he was sensational on the boards in the passing game yep. and looking for a shot in this one. He was one of the guys setting the tone going to the rim, and that's what I love most about this game, frankly, Nick, is we see the difference when this team makes a concerted effort to get to the basket. You shoot 37% from three on a smaller volume. I think you take a greater advantage of those shots. They get you get a forty-seven uh, percent on thirty-four. Rather, I mix those two up. Uh, that's just a sensational night. Everybody picks their spots from out there, but first and foremost, everybody's going to the rim, and that that's something Hayward helped initiate in this game. Kemba was huge in that regard. It was just nice to have everybody back. Frankly, like you just see how complete this team is when everybody's out there. Absolutely, it's it's. I think that it's been said on this show uh, a few times. This is a. I mean, of course. There are the fans out there that want you to have a, you know, seven-foot-one, you know, lumbering center that can't shoot the three and can't pass but just, you know, rebounds and block shots and dunks the ball. But, you know, aside from not having a guy like that, and, I mean, we do have, uh, the Celtics do have uh, Vinny Sexpants, Vincent Poirier, who you could tell how great <laughs> this game was tonight because, because Vinny had had his first, I think, quality game of his NBA career. I've been complaining all season about this guy, and I know it was garbage time. But then, you know, compared to the other guys at the bottom of the uh, of the roster, at the back end of the roster, um, you know, they all play in garbage time against. You know, Vinny did his thing. So in comparison, I like what I saw from Vincent. I st- I still don't necessarily know where he fits into this roster but if you want a you know big thick sturdy guy that's going to you know you know run the rim I think if he got in a little bit better condition even Vinny Vinny Sexpants would be would be solid on this team but yes a complete team is this Boston Celtics uh squad and they proved it tonight with the win against uh the Probably I'm I'm going to go with you. The best team in the NBA right now, certainly a stacked team. I mean, when you look at that roster, it's like Avery, even even Avery Bradley's on their team. I mean, it's like they just have you know a bunch of guys that know how to you know play well. And the Boston Celtics, I mean, held all of them. There wasn't a single twenty point scorer for the for the Los Angeles Lakers. Bob. Oh yeah, it was uh, a defensive clinic. Javale McGee. The Celtics were amazing on both ends of the floor. They were breaking up passes. Tatum. Kemba was guarding guys out to half court. You just see what a difference it, it makes when the guys are locked in, when they're dedicated to that end of the floor, and it really looks like it means something for them out there. They definitely played with a playoff approach from a coaching standpoint, with the rotations the way they were, and defensively on the perimeter. When they are attacking the ball before it gets to guys, when they're keeping people off the drive, off the ball, shooters, as you said, they did a great job getting out on shooters in this one. It's a whole new ball game. This team is definitely elite defensively when they put the effort into it. You just wish it was more there more uh, often throughout the season. Because one thing this team did during those Isaiah years, Nick, was every single night they'd be out there ripping the court to shreds to try to win these games. If they got down 20, you knew they were going to come back. Like It was just expected that they were going to go all out every night. And we know there's limitations to that. Like, I think Kawhi Leonard taught everybody a lesson last year with his 60 games played that 
If you manage yourself well throughout the regular season, you can bring something special in the playoffs. But you can't just be no-shows in games, especially in the early minutes. You know, if you get beat during that stretch and you make it to the second half and you're losing, all right. But you don't want to put yourself in a 10-point hole in the first quarter. So I, I do have to give a big shout-out to our friends over at Bet Online, who are anticipating that there'll be no double-digit deficit on the football field in two weeks, Nick. I know you're excited. It's down in Miami, a little a little ways away from you there, but close enough. We got a massive matchup between the Too 49ers <laughs> and I'm not a fan. Of, I'm not a fan of the city of Miami. Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. We'll chat that out another time. But anyway. The Niners and Chiefs, you know, we all wish the Patriots were there, but I don't think there could have been a better matchup otherwise. We get to see Jimmy Garoppolo, our old backup quarterback in New England, and the Chiefs, who frankly are the most exciting team in football right now, putting up 50-plus against the Texans and then just blowing by the Titans, who would top the Patriots early in the playoffs. So, Nick, I was torn on this, but if I was on bet online – this weekend, and I very well might be, or in two weekends from now because of the Pro Bowl, I think I'm going to lean toward the Kansas City Chiefs in this game. Kevin Coleman down for San Francisco. I don't think anybody's going to stop this Chiefs defense right now or this Chiefs offense right now with Pat Mahomes leading the way. I'm going to take them even with minus point and a half. I always say take the points, but that's nothing right there. I'm taking the Chiefs. Who do you guys got? Go over to betonline.ag, check out the spread as it changes over the next two weeks, and predict who is going to hold that Vince Lombardi trophy. Both of these teams haven't held it in quite a while. We saw Kaepernick and the Niners lose a couple of years ago. The Chiefs, this is their first trip here in, what, 40 years or something like that? So it's going to be a great game, and head over to BetOnline and use the code CLNS50 to bet on the big game and receive 50% back on your welcome bonus with your first deposit. That's CLNS50 on betonline.ag. Nick, you excited for that one as I am? Absolutely, but you know what? I'm going to have to disagree with you. I know this is a, a, a Boston Celtics show when we're talking about a blowout over the uh, the Los Angeles Lakers and we still have callers on the line, but I'm going to disagree with you briefly. Number one, we have uh, Jimmy G. He was a former Patriot, or he is a former Patriot. We know that. Number two, I think if you look at the path that the uh, the San Francisco 49ers took compared to the Kansas City Chiefs, what the Chiefs beat Houston and they beat the Tennessee Titans. Those are not you know teams that you look at and you say, wow, that's you know that's my, a mind blowing path. They really proved themselves there. <laughs> and against those lesser teams. And, and against those lesser teams, they fell down by double digits both times and had to mount a comeback. Now, I, I, I agree with you completely that the Kansas City Chiefs have uh, the most exciting offense in the NFC, but I think the San Francisco 49ers have a better defense, and I think their offense isn't too shabby either. I think beating the Green Bay Packers, even though the Green Bay Packers are not the team they're, you know, they, they've always been. I think they're about one receiver, a couple of players away from you know, really something doing that we something. Didn't see the Ravens or the Seahawks in the championship rounds. Right, absolutely. Uh, that you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with the uh, the San Francisco 49ers. I know that they're the favorites. I'm gonna go with that. I think I would even go above the points. I think they do uh, by a touchdown. Although you know, recent recent Super Bowls would suggest that it probably isn't. You know, is is going to be within a touchdown. But uh, with that said, Bobby, I have a surprise for you, and it's on right. the uh, 
the HelloFresh slash betonline.ag toll-free call lines. And it's coming all the way, not just from the West Coast, but from the far Pacific Northwest. And it's our friend Ty Ray. Yeah. 53 Ty Ray. What's up and what you think about this blowout 139-107 win over the Los Angeles Lakers? Ty. Like I said, guys, hey, what's going on, man? Like I said on Twitter, it's like the Memorial Day Massacre Part 2. It was incredible. Absolutely incredible tonight. What a team effort, especially after what has been just a long two weeks that has seemed like an eternity. To see that team play such great team basketball, oh, it felt so good, didn't it? Uh, I wanted to call because I wanted to give a shout-out to a guy that's taken a lot of crap in the last couple weeks, and it's Gordon Hayward. And I know yeah. Gordon only had 15 points tonight, right? But let's not forget when we were just taking our seats tonight and the Lakers, what, opened the game 11-3, to I think? Something yep. like that. Who was it that stopped the Laker momentum immediately? Who was it that was aggressive? It wasn't Jason Tatum. It wasn't Jalen Brown. It wasn't Kemba Walker. It was one Mr. Gordon Hayward who was taken to the ball to the hoop time and time again to stem the tide, keep the Celtics close because the Celtics have gotten off to all these slow starts during these horrible two weeks of basketball games. It was Gordon Hayward that brought everything to a halt and kept the Celtics in the game early because, let's face it, had the Celtics fallen behind by 15 points early on, 17, 18 points early on, this game would have been over. And he stemmed the tide, and the Celtics rallied, actually led after the first quarter and never looked back. So I just wanted to give a shout-out to my man Gordon Hayward tonight who kept the Celtics in the game early, and he's taken so much crap over the last couple of weeks. I thought he deserved some praise, even though tonight I know Cantor's going to get praise and Walker's going to get praise and Brown and Tatum are all going to get praise. But it was Gordon Hayward early on that kept the Celtics in the game, it's, and people should forget that. Isn't it almost like Al Horford to some degree, the the treatment that he's getting from the fans? I think it's the $30 million contract. You know, him being a little bit older, gone through some injuries now, not quite the same explosive player that he once was. But the way this guy reads the floor, makes the right play, and even defensively tonight, I thought he stepped up quite a bit. He, he hasn't been awful of late. I mean, people were acting like he was just a complete no-show these last two weeks. The Bucks game was bad. That one, I thought he was a big, big reason they lost in. Right. But, you know, he had a couple bad shooting nights, four of 11 three times over that stretch. He also, like Brad said, had an 11 of 15 against Detroit. I mean, he's been up and down, but for the most part this year, I feel like he's been up. He's drastically better than last year. God, yes. Yes, great point, Bobby. And Sean Grandy tweeted it out last night. He's had career highs in all sorts of uh, statistics. And he, I think he's played really solid. Having said that, you know, he's coming into, what, uh, the final year of his contract. He's got a player option. You know, if the Celtics could deal him maybe for a big man and a, a score off the bench, I might consider that. But having said that, why in the world is he getting all the blame for this? I don't understand. I, I just don't understand it. I, I say this all the time, guys, and I'm probably going to get heat for this, but I used to think Boston basketball fans were the smartest in the NBA until social media. 
serious. <laughs> I just, hold, hold on, Ty. Hold I, on, Ty. As, so, as somebody who has been critical, and I like Bobby Manning mentioning the Al Horford comparison because I made the exact same comparison uh, uh, in terms of not just you know the, the amount of heat that he gets, but also the role that he plays and kind of not even the style of the game, but just being that you yeah, know, uh, that, 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 that underappreciated facilitator in the game. And I think that you know they don't have the same type of game. He's not you know he's not going to you know grab you uh, some of those rebounds and give you some of those those hardcore blocks the way Al Horford would give you. They're they're different players, but they they play that facilitating thing, the, the facilitating role. And I'm going to disagree with Ty in the sense that I don't think everybody is blaming Gordon Hayward for the problems this team has had. I think most Boston Celtics fans acknowledge that there have been injuries to key players, and I haven't seen anybody necessarily blaming Gordon Hayward alone as the you know the guy this you know this this the this caused this recent you know skid that the Boston Celtics have faced. It's more so why hasn't he stepped up in the absence of those other players? And I'll let you answer that question, but I'm just going to say before that. I say you bench him and put Marcus Smart in the starting lineup, and I think you have a better team. You have a you have a punch off the bench. Gordon Hayward can compete, but he's he's just a, a, a step slow. Tonight he did extremely well. All you know, praise due to, to Gordon Hayward for keeping the Boston Celtics in the game when they could have gone down. Excellent point, and I agree with you completely about that tie. But I'm not going to back off on the fact that I think that it would, that you would probably have a little bit better. Uh, a, a well-rounded team. If you put Marcus in the starting lineup and then Gordon Hayward off the bench, where he can be that that you know, unquestioned leader off the bench, who can give you that punch, that spark off the bench, that scoring, you know, uh, con- contribution off the bench. I really think that if you if if you don't trade him, and I'm not a big fan of you know trading him either, unless you can really get something you know quality in return, what? but. You know, I, 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 I'm not gonna, I'm hey, not go gonna ahead, completely Ty. just say, oh, one, one game where he had, you know, what, how many points did he have tonight? Twelve, fourteen points, uh, where he was the oh, fourth yeah. leading scorer. Yeah. You know, yeah, he did a good thing against the Lakers, but you know, like early in the game, but he still, he's had opportunities to step up in which, in games where if he had stepped up, he, you, the Celtics probably could have won some of those games. Yet he didn't step up, and I think tonight is a perfect oh. example of why having Gordon Hayward expecting him to be your second or third best player on the team may not be, you know, the best the 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 best strategy for the Celtics whereas he could be, you know, maybe the 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 best player off the bench and that makes him uh, that gives him a much better role I think uh for this team. It's not his fault that this has all happened, but he could have stepped up. Well, I honestly guys, you know what I don't think has gotten enough attention in in my humble opinion, not just the fact the Celtics haven't been healthy. This schedule has been ridiculous. I mean, absolutely yes. ridiculous. What is it? Nine games and fourteen nights, or some crazy crap like that? When yeah, they're playing with every other day through the All Star break. I mean, that the best thing that can happen to the Celtics isn't a trade. It's just some rest, right? Maybe some practice time again. Get those nagging injuries healed, and just just take a step back from it. It's been awful hard to play through all of this, and that's why the other night, like for instance, when the Celtics were getting blown out in Milwaukee, what is it exactly fans expect when this team hasn't had time off? Or, you know, it was of course a back-to-back, too. Absolutely, of course they're going to lose on the second night of a back-to-back to the best team in the East. Of course they are. They gave a great effort. The same for a couple weeks ago when they lost on a second night of a back-to-back in Philly, even though Embiid wasn't playing. The team was playing like their third game in four nights. So while all this bedwetting is going on, I just think people need to step back, wait to the All-Star break, get some perspective, get the guys in, you know rested, get healthy, 
and they've got an outside shot at the Eastern Conference Finals. Once again, I, I really do. They just need to get healthy and get rested and get in sync again. Anyway, guys, I'm going to let you go. Awesome night. Uh, one of the best wins in years, I think. What do you guys think? Best win in years? Hey, here's the thing. LeBron on the other side, I mean, how many times over the last four or five years has he come in here and did what the Celtics did to him tonight? I mean, he he's starting to reach that level in his career where he can't quite take a game over and just rip it from the Celtics' hands physically like he once did, even as recently as 2017 when he just came in here oh, and yeah. pummeled them <laughs> in, in that East Can Final I series. I mean, but you saw it tonight. You... He has he has to manage himself a little bit. Anthony Davis he is doesn't... doing a lot of the work for him this year. He was a little banged up here, and LeBron had to take on a bigger role. You know, if I'm the Lakers, I'd be a little worried about Davis. I mean, this guy's had durability issues his whole career. Throughout LeBron career. certainly yeah. can turn it up come playoff time. He's leaving. But I think this team's more dedicated, uh, predicated on Davis than LeBron, to be honest. I, I, think he's I, I would agree too. with that. I wanted to ask you guys one question before I before I sign off here. I gotta be honest. Even though the Celtics were up by what 22 points going into the fourth, or something like that, guys, I was a nervous wreck. <laughs> I really was. <laughs> you know, every time we see the Celtics blow a lead like that, and so no no lead is safe. And I'm just proud of the guys for for just closing it out and just taking care of business and just putting their foot on their neck and not letting, you know, not letting the gas off. It was just so much, like I said, it's one of the biggest wins in years. So much fun guys. I'm so glad you're half, uh, both of you are hosting the show because there are no bigger Celtic fans than guys. And it's fun to listen to. So have a great night. Have a great show guys. Hey, and I'm glad you left on that point, Nick, because we've been talking all night about how the key in this one was tightening up the rotations, making sure it's just the eight core guys who have been playing well all year, and they can't do that through this stretch. You know that. I know that. They're playing every other night. They're going to have to sit some guys certain nights. Uh, Kemba's knee isn't right, certainly. Brown had that hiccup with his thumb. And so you're going to have to see Grant Williams, Javante Green, Sammy Ojale. I mean, we still haven't talked about the fact that he played 20 minutes in this one, even with the rotation, rotation tightened up quite a bit. You know, Brad Wanamaker's been playing a lot. He only gets four minutes in this one. You'd love to be able to just run these top six to eight guys like that every single night. But they're frankly not able to. So, yeah, while I'm railing against the Lakers, I don't think they're that deep. I don't think they're going to be able to sustain an injury, even a minor injury to James or Davis. I say the same thing about those Celtics. And you kind of alluded to this when we were talking about Hayward just a few minutes ago. He needs to reach a new level if Brown and Tatum aren't scoring 20-plus as they were tonight. Kemba, for that matter, you know, even when Smart's sitting in there for him, you're not expecting 30-plus from Smart the way he provided against the Suns. So this team definitely has depth concerns. I don't think they can address it unless there's a buyout candidate come February. You know, that I think that's where this team could find a good bench guy to give them a little more support down there. And, you know, Nick, we keep talking about the big man position. I honestly think that's where they're deeper on this team. They could honestly use, and, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say this. It's probably not a real possibility, but, you know, I want to think of someone who's like this guy. Think of how much Marcus Morris helped this team the last two years, Nick. 
I mean, he could give you 20 to 25 points. I know we stopped the ball a little bit. I know they didn't look themselves offensively when he was out there. But I feel like he got too much crap the last two seasons when Hayward was out the first year, Hayward was not himself the second year, and he was picking up all the slack for him. I'd like to have another wing on this roster who can score the ball a little bit, you know, play some defense on the other end, and frankly give one of these guys a rest because all three of them are important, and when one of them isn't out there, it really just derails what they're doing on both ends of the floor because their perimeter defense is so important to what they do on offense and transition and inside when they're preventing guys from going to the lane. Yeah, if if uh, uh, Gordon Hayward could play offense like Marcus Morris, and Marcus Morris could play you know defense and pass like Gordon Hayward, you'd have the ideal you know wing player. But I mean that's you know just. I, I agree. I wouldn't mind having Marcus Morris there. The only thing about that is you have these two burgeoning, you know, young wings, uh, yeah, Jalen Brown, who yeah. I think is is is, is just right on the precipice. I mean, he's there. I think he's gonna he's an All Star this season. Uh, Jason Tatum, I think he's probably gonna make it too. He's getting uh, tons of votes. I think I just read somewhere he has the fourth best selling uh, uh, jersey yep. in the NBA in the entire league. Uh, so, you know, the only thing about that is that, you know, Marcus Morris isn't somebody that you can just put in for 10 minutes a game. Marcus Morris is not going to be happy with just 10 minutes a game. And if you give him, you know, 15, 20 or the 20, 20, 20 to 25 minutes that he's going to want without, you know, becoming a disruptive, you know, a, a, a disturbance in the locker room, you take away from, you know, the development of, you know, guys like Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, and Jason Tatum specifically, who needs to, who's still kind of feeling his way. I think next season, just like we saw Jalen Brown take a jump this year in his fourth year, I think next season, Jason Tatum is going to be that, you know, that all-world player. I think his defense is going to take a, a, a jump. I think he's going to get more comfortable, but you're still finding Jason Tatum trying to get comfortable with this game. And I think if you had a guy like Marcus Morris, now a guy like Marcus Morris is one thing. Marcus Morris himself, as much as I liked what he did, and I agree with you completely that he got too much uh, crap for, you know, some of the, the ball stoppage. Like I said, if he could pass the way Gordon Hayward does, there would be no problems. But then again, the more ideal thing would be for Gordon Hayward to be able to, you know, to, to, to shoulder some of the burden when uh, Jalen Brown is out or when Kemba Walker is out, to be able to lead, you know, the, the Boston Celtics and and that's where this team has kind of fallen, fallen a little bit short. But, yes, I don't think that you necessarily need to look for that lumbering big man. I've never been one of those fans that says that's where the Boston Celtics need tons of help because I've said this so many times on this show. The, Bo- the Boston Celtics have gone the entire season in the top ten in team rebounds per game. They've gone the entire season in the top you know, seven or six or five in uh, team blocks per game. They're a de- they're a defensive monster. This team we saw it tonight. How they held Anthony Davis down. They out rebounded uh, the Los Angeles Lakers as a team. I think what was it, 48 to 36. That's not their issue. But I do think if there were a player that was uh, that, sh- that the Celtics would be able to acquire without disrupting the chemistry of the team, even if it is a wing player like you suggested, I think the Celtics should, should do it. I like the uh, the Davis. Uh, Bertans uh, uh, discussion that occurred a couple of weeks ago. If you could get Davis Bertans mm, uh, yeah, for seven million, maybe, maybe a first round pick. You get size, you get shooting, and you get it. You know, another guy that can do something for you. Imagine a, a, a bench of you know. Uh, Marcus Smart, Gordon Hayward, and Davis Bertans with every, with Ennis Cantor. I mean, that's a that's a fire bench right there. 
Oh, my God. I would love to have one of those shooting bigs who can spread the floor and yes. rebound, almost like Ryan Anderson did years back. But, yeah, you're seeing Davis Bertans and, uh, you know, Bielitsa out there in Sacramento, Bogdan Bogdanovich. Mm, and everyone's going to be dying for that guy this year. There are some yep. real good role guys across the league that could be picked up. And, frankly, those are the deals that the Celtics are going to have to look at, guys who are making 3 to $5 million. They can't be afraid to move on from one of these rookies. And much less than that, one of the pick that they have from Memphis, that's got to be on the table, like, within minutes. Because, yes. honestly, they have, what, five, six rookies or second-year players on this roster. I know you want to always be looking for that next great young player, but – you know, we have Brown, we have Tatum, we have a bunch of rookies to develop on the bench. I think the time for young talent is over. They got to get a good veteran like one of those guys that you mentioned who can help them off the bench a little bit. You know, everybody's looking for a big addition or a big man. I think they could use a wing more than anything. And I'm honestly, I'm not even shooting for a guy as good as one of those two players because those guys are going to command a lot in return from big teams. You know, I look at Andre Guadalla in Memphis. Memphis is really holding out for a big return for, for him. Honestly, this isn't going to get too many people excited. And maybe I'm just excited about this for old time's sake. Atlanta just shut down Evan Turner. And they're oh, yeah. almost certainly oh, going to buy him out by the time the deadline comes. Why not? You know what it is, Why though, not? Bobby. I'm a huge. I've always been a huge Evan Turner fan. I, I don't. I don't know if if you were around with the CLNS when he was, you know, running point forward here with the Celtics a few years back. But I used to get so much shit for being one of the biggest Evan Turner boosters here on uh, CLNS media, even on social media. The one thing about Evan Turner, though, is he cannot shoot the three unless he something has shoot, you know, dramatically right. changed. But I think having a guy like that, he can run the point, he can pass the ball, he can attack the rim, and he has that you know that ancient art of you know the mid-range game that he's always been good at. That's always been his thing. I have no problem with that. I would love that if they uh, shut it it, if they shut him down and bought him out. If Atlanta shut him down and bought him out, I would love to see Evan Turner back in green. Maybe I'm the only one. I'm glad you brought it up and it wasn't me because people would have just accused me of being the Evan Turner groupie. But I think that's a fantastic suggestion. But one thing Celtics fans shouldn't do is expect a massive trade, including a massive trade that involves Garden Hayward, uh, unless there's, you know, some, some, you know, unless Danny works some type of magic. I think Garden Hayward is, you know, here to stay, and he's probably going to opt in because I don't think you're going to have as big of a market for him seeing how he's played inconsistent this season um, in free agency. Uh, but I think that the Celtics could use a move and it may just be another wing player. And the fact that Evan Turner is kind of one of those Swiss Army knife kind of guys that can, you know, you know, play point forward, that can play more than just, you know, a small forward or shooting guard. He can kind of play multiple different positions, and he can rotate in this, you know, amorphous kind of, you know, uh, Brad Stevens defense and this vers- hey. versatile offense. I like that suggestion. I love that. Thank you, know, you, Bobby. You just gave me something to think about. And this is – I just thought of this, too. Why do you think they're playing Ojale all of a sudden? You know, he hadn't played for about three weeks. Now all of a sudden he's getting steady run. I mean, you look up and down the roster, there really is only one guy you would cut for a bio candidate, and it's him. So maybe this is just one last shot for him to get rotation minutes, prove that he's worthy of a roster spot for the rest of the year. Because if anyone's getting cut for a guy on a buyout or a trade or anything like that, it's going to be him. And he hadn't been playing for a while. He has not played well this year. Thought he was decent tonight. This this might be his last audition to stick around here. 
Well, I think whether it's, uh, you know, his last audition to stick around or a showcase to make him some somebody that a team would be willing to take on yeah. along with that Memphis pick. You know what I mean? To make it worth their while to take on. I don't know how much Shemi makes a year. It's probably something like three, I think or, it's three, or, three or four. Or four. Million. Yeah, and then, then you take, you know, the Memphis pick, and then there, boom, you have a little trade package. He's the money filler, and the pick is the incentive, and maybe you get, you know, a, a reasonable type player. Like, I don't know if that necessarily commands a Davis Bertans, but you can get, you know, one of those other players. If not, there are a ton of guys, you know, that have uh, guaranteed contracts that you could, you know, cut and absorb their, their, their money uh, in order to bring on a more uh, seasoned veteran that you know what you're getting, for example, an Evan Turner. And that's just an example, completely hypothetical. I'm pretty sure that unless you've heard something, I don't know if you've heard anything solid. That, uh, no, 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 no. I just know that they, right. they're going to sit think, him yeah. and Chandler Parsons for it's the rest of the season to play the young guys. Yeah, it's just it's just it's just speculation. So there you go. Uh, but you know, yeah, I, I think that's what's happening. It's probably a showcase uh, for Shemi, in in the sense that you know, if you if you package him with a, with a pick, you know, maybe that 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 Memphis pick, maybe another you know later pick, you could probably get something reasonable in return if Shemi can show you. Because Shemi is a, is a nice defender. He's not a, he's not all world, but he can you know he in, in spurts. I see and, him. You know, I see him as a guy who could thrive elsewhere. Maybe not thrive, but at least find himself. Because yeah. if you look back at his college tape, Nick, he was a slasher. He was driving. I know he was in a weaker conference at AAC there with SMU. But uh, he, he could he could get to the rim. He could create for himself. He could hit the three at a higher rate than he's done here. I, I don't know why the Celtics have made him into like that corner three guy and – you know, they definitely use him on Giannis here, there. His development's been a little strange to me. And, you know, he was a second-round pick, so you don't expect this guy to be a world beater. It's kind of just a flyer on those guys. But uh, it's it's been a little disappointing how he's developed over the years here. Yeah, well, disappointing for – you just said it. He was a second-round pick. Uh, you know, I th- and I think he did his – his thing. If the only thing Shemi ever gives the Boston Celtics in his time in a green uniform is that performance in 2000, what was it, 2018 against Giannis Antetokounmpo. Yes, if that's all you get, and I remember I even replayed my uh, prediction from the show after I predicted Shemi would do that. That was a, that was a little uh, little bit of uh, petty arrogance on my part. But if that's all he ever gives the Boston Celtics, you know, in his entire career, that's fine because that was that year was special. That was fun to watch. Oh, Minus man, the previous point so guard, fun. and they went to the Eastern Conference Finals. That was a fun playoff to watch, and Shemi was a part of that. You know what I mean? And so what a year that was you for you. Him, you were you were calling for years for Greg Monroe to come here you were calling for a semi-ojale minutes and it all turned out that way for them not that Greg Monroe was necessarily the most fantastic uh, <laughs> signing the Celtics <laughs> ever made, but yeah, he 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 did his thing, you know, in in spurts as well. It's just things that you know. I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm worth a little bit of my salt in in analysis. <laughs> maybe just a little bit. But you know, <laughs> right, yeah, so- I, I think I think you're you're right on with that. Shemi is, is probably being showcased to getting his last audition for whatever it is. But he's gonna find a home if the Boston Celtics cut him or if he's traded, he'll find a home. Somebody will take him, and I think he will. Given more minutes and given you know more opportunity to develop his game, Shemi will make will have a career of himself. He's not gonna he's not gonna uh, uh, pull a Yabusele and disappear yeah. from the league after the Boston Celtics get rid of him. Yeah, yeah, and he what a great guy. We all remember when he led the prayer circle after Haywood went down that year. I mean, he's just phenomenal. Yes. Um, Miley's been waiting patiently all show, so I say we cap it off with him. 
Miley, long time caller. Nice to hear from you tonight. Yeah. What's up, Miley? Oh, not a whole lot. Just pretty happy after that win. We blew them out of the water. It's amazing. I loved it. One of the best wins. Best win all season, Nick. You say so? Yeah, I think so. Given given the given where the Celtics were coming into this game, the low point, uh, and given the margin, and given the fact that they held that that they held the the Lakers, the vaunted Lakers, the best team in the league with uh, King James, uh, to no twenty point scores, and Javale McGee being the lead the lead scorer with eighteen points, and then the icing, the the cherry on the on the on the uh, the top of the uh, the ice cream sundae, the Jalen Brown dunk of the decade. I'm we're, we're we're coining it here, the dunk of the decade. Until somebody dunks better than that, Jalen Brown has the dunk of the decade. Uh, yamming, two-handed, body-to-body over uh, LeBron James. Man, you got to keep these two kids together, Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. Don't you, Miley? I mean, that's that's a quite a future I, for the I Boston. I think so. I mean, they're a heck of a duo. And uh, it looks like Jalen Brown, he keeps getting to be, like, a better player after year after year. And then Jason Tatum, man, he's going to be a star. Guy's a stud. He uh, yes. and uh, Kemba went off tonight. I was just happy to see the Celtics uh, pull it back together and then uh, have um, yeah. Gordon Hayward be like the person that passes the ball the, the most because it seems like when he passes the ball, he moves the ball around more and gets everyone yeah. involved. I, I do want to close it out on Kemba, um, Nick. Definitely. I mean, I don't have a lot to say about him tonight. He's just been rock solid all year. I think everybody said what needs to be said about the player not to be named and him and the difference between them. Uh, And, you know, Brown had a little bit to say about it. I don't know if you caught Jalen Brown today on the uh, Woj podcast. He had a pretty good episode with Woj that's worth listening to. Uh, Jalen Brown's always a joy to listen to with his insights on life and basketball. And he uh, got into a little bit about the teacher. Yeah, the the teacher that told him he was going to be in jail or alluded to the fact that he was going to look him up in the jail in a few years. He, he got into that story as well. They can so look him up on that to... LeBron James poster. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, he talked about Kemba in this one, and Kemba's just rock solid. I will say this. You definitely notice when he's not out there more than when he's out there. I mean, his impact is just so steady. 20 points easy on 8 of 13, plus 24, played great defense, 7 assists. Like, it's just, it, just, it just happens. He goes out there, he does it, and it happens. Like, it's, it doesn't flash off the screen. It's just steady, consistent production. And then when it's not out there, as it wasn't in that game that he missed recently, you really notice it. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, he I, I've said it throughout this season, um, and you notice it more this year than you would have other years because I think he's just really elevated his game this season, uh, you know, more than I think a lot of people anticipated coming into the year. I, did, I don't think a lot of people anticipated Jalen Brown to be arguably, in, in my opinion, I've, I've, I've said, you know, it kind of is a hot take. I'll admit that it's a hot take, but I've said maybe Jalen is the best player on this team. But I think if he's not the best player, he's, he's 
I would I would not say it's a hot take to say that he's probably a top two player on this team. I think he and yeah. Kemba are probably the best, and 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 that's not about potential. That's not a, that's not a slight to Jason Tatum, who I think I agree with Miley. Jason Tatum is a stud. He's going to be a, a superstar one day. He's already the fourth uh, best-selling NBA jersey in the league, and it's not. A, there's no competition. I don't get involved in the who's better, Jason Brown or Jalen or Jalen Brown or Jason Tatum thing. I, I call them Jason Brown. That's how much I love them both because they're they're in. I don't get into that, but I think that Jalen Brown is as much a key to this team's success as any other player on this roster, including Kemba Walker. Yep, no doubt about it. Uh, So Tom Westerholm is telling us to check out Derek Jones Jr.'s dunk. I guess we'll have to go Google that one after this one because I just called it the dunk of the decade on Twitter. And uh, Tom Westerholm with Mass Live there says uh, Derek Jones Jr. would like a word. So we'll go Google that, catch up on that one next time, see if there's any better dunks in the meantime. For now on the Celtics postgame show, it's the dunk of the decade. And that might change on Wednesday against the Grizzlies. Uh, the Grizzlies have won seven straight. They've been awesome. John Morant, Brandon Clark, who is someone I wish the Celtics drafted. And, of course, Jaron Jackson Jr. So they're compiling quality young talent over there. They're a team that's going to come in here and compete, test the defense. And we'll see if the Celtics can keep this streak rolling. Uh, after a massive momentum win, as I said, 27 for Tatum, 20 for Brown and Walker. Complete team performance, 18-8 and eight for Cantor. Shout out to him. And the Celtics are back in the three seed in the East, just a game behind the two seed. So lots to play for. For Nick Sassento, I'm Bobby Manning. Wishing you all the best on this Monday night. Happy Martin Luther King Day.